0: into the topic but before we get into the topic i'm just gonna say something really rude because it's a free country and i can (laughs) say whatever i want if i get like anybody mad at me for it it's on them because i have like protection and freedom (laughs)
1: okay let me let me do the podcast intro (laughs) you should leave that one in there uh 48 hour art check best of podcast we go live monday wednesday friday on YouTube. At 9 p.m. California time, we'd love it if you joined us in the chat. And uh today's topic is the is is kind of a hot button issue and I have not completely solidified my opinion on this. So I'm going to be I'm going to be processing this out loud. Um, and and that's a good it's a good topic to do that on because we're talking about free <laughs> So, here's I'm going to I'm going to tee this up. And then I'm I'm interested to get your thoughts. So here's the thing that I think right now most people misunderstand what free speech is. Uh, at least they seem to misunderstand what free speech is because they think freedom of speech legally means freedom from consequences of your speech, which uh, is is only true in the case of you say things and the government is not allowed to murder or imprison you for saying those things. For example, there's a YouTuber right now in Thailand who is facing uh, prison charges because she commented on a dress on Miss America or the Miss universe or something. And uh, it, the dress happened to be designed by a member of the Royal family and that is illegal. There's a guy in Scotland who's facing charges because of a dog and some stuff that he did that was really stupid, but like he could be going to prison for that. And then, so in America, Um, we, we, one of the founding principles was that, was that there's freedom of speech, right? And there's the old phrase, like, I might not agree with you, but I'll fight to the death to protect your right to say what it is that, you know, whatever, I'm saying that wrong. Um, so here's the thing though. There are laws, uh, both like tort law and written law that are in place to regulate speech. So for example, the, uh, if I say something in the press, um, and it it meets a specific thing for liable libel or uh defamation. then there are laws in place to protect that I can't just go and just lie about people in in journalism because it causes damage to people's characters, yeah, but then at the same time, I can't be put in prison because I have a dissenting opinion from the ruling the ruling class at the time, whether they be. <laughs> uh you know donkeys or uh elephants or whatever you know mascot happens to be running you know the White House or the House or the Senate or whatever, but here's my challenge my challenge is this: my challenge is that all of those laws are really old, and they kind of remind me of intellectual property right laws where we are trying to apply exceptionally old laws to a completely different situation because In the past 10 years, the game has completely changed. It used to be that mode of mass communication was gate-kept and regulated. The FCC can come out and they can say, hey, you can't say that on television, um, you know, because we control, you know, the airways and there are certain rules and, you know, there's still freedom of speech where you're not going to go to prison, but you can't be, you know, there's some lines that you can't cross. And that was problematic and has been problematically applied, um, but it was also generally accepted to be good. And then um, things have changed, and now there's there's MySpace, and Friendster, and then Twitter, and Facebook, and YouTube, and on and on and on and on. And And now anyone has a voice that can carry, and people are being radicalized into uh, significantly problematic groups that are that are that are that are hate groups or whatever and so the ability to spread hate and vitriol has increased and the laws have stayed the same and to a certain extent people should be allowed to say whatever they want without fear of imprisonment but on the other hand um they, everybody has a bigger voice now and so there's There's these things, right? There's just all of these kind of externalities that are kind of fighting each other. So I just wanted to talk about, I just wanted to talk about that for a minute, because I'm kind of curious, like Patreon right now is going through a thing where some guy said horrible things and was a total idiot. Uh, Patreon and Facebook and whomever else are, and YouTube are not government entities and they are not journalistic, journalistic entities, and so they are privately held companies, and yet they are the main form of mass communication today, but without any regulation um, that serves the, the interests of the people. And so what Zuckerberg says is more important than what the voice of the people say or Congress. And it's kind of an interesting dynamic. So there's my, there's my five-minute intro. Sorry.
0: No, it's cool. I like it. Um, I, I have a couple thoughts on it, and I'm, I'm in a similar boat where I'm not like 100% resolved on it. I know that on the spectrum of free speech I tend to be on the very big side of like not regulating people's speech like letting people say whatever they want um in the public uh, in public forums. Yeah. Um I I also like do think that businesses do well like businesses where their their mode is communication I think they do well and they I think part of why YouTube thrived for so long was the fact that it was relatively unregulated except like trying to kind of moderate like you know online bullying and stuff like that um, you know so their users don't get like chased off the internet um, but but outside of like hate speech law and stuff where it was a legal problem, um, they would kind of allow, A lot, and I and I feel like they've tightened up on that, Um, which I think might actually slow the growth of it and kind of kill some of the great stuff about YouTube. I I, I'm all I'm all for like, you know, a business kind of making whatever decision they want, though. Like when it comes to like a platform they host, like it's their dollar and um, they can kind of present whatever they want. my concern with like over regulation on speech outside of like the the business world like that's to me like there's two sides of the coin like one i'm i'm very annoyed by people thinking that they can say whatever they want like in a workplace or like in a, a privately owned building um because that's just not the case and that's not what free speech laws were ever de- defined for um they were they were. They were they were kind of designed to um, prevent like like you getting incarcerated for saying the wrong thing, and um, and actually a lot of them were really inspired by heresy law um, created by the the Catholic Church, and then after that very quickly adopted um, in England where there's very much not a separation of the Church of England and 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 the, the Parliament. So it's like if Parliament had a problem with somebody, you just excommunicate them for heresy and you can burn them alive. (laughs) Like it's, you know, so, um, I don't think we should head that direction. And I think the protections are really good. And as an indie cartoonist who likes underground stuff, um, and I really believe, um, very firmly in, in, you know, uh, in, in, in groups like the comic book legal defense fund. Um, my sister's a librarian and, uh, she was told by, uh, at an elementary school, and she was told by a, par- a couple parents that she couldn't carry bone by Jeff Smith in the library because uh, it had, like, there's a character that drinks booze in it. <laughs> and and um, it has some other, like, risque things. And, um, and she, she actually called up the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund and got all these pamphlets, and, and the, they sent her a bunch of, like, here's equipment basically to Mm -hmm. like defend it and keep it in the school and they kept it in the school um because because of her collaborating with that and caring about books and thinking that it's important that you don't let um one parent kind of limit the uh the education and what's available to people in education and I, i think that's a good thing um but, but at the same time I also think it, it's it's a smart thing to like be wise about what you're saying where you're saying it um, and also keep in mind that like if you step up in a public forum and you say stuff that pisses people off like you could also get punched in the face like that's just that's that's part of um, part of the risk of speaking out and like the, the freedom of speech was never to protect you from ramifications of like running your mouth at like you know, like, I don't know, you're standing next to a man and you insult his wife, you know, like right. it's it, there's no there, there's no protections for that. However, as an indie cartoonist, um, I, I do I do think that people as artists should be able to say what they want, whatever they want, however they want. Um, do I think that a publisher should have to publish it? No. Um, so the, that I guess to me, that's how I, I deal with that ambiguity. But it is yeah. weird with, with online platforms. Um, it it's this really it's it's a tight, it's a tough thing. It's a, it's because a different. It's a, picking and choosing.
1: It's a different thing um, because with publishing, uh, you know, the product is the message, right? And so, if a book publisher is like, you know, well, this guy is saying that we should kill all the Jews, and uh, obviously that's ridiculous and horrible. And so I'm not going to give that guy a voice. That's terrible. Um, Because I don't want that to be my product. On the flip side, like when it's a a public forum like Facebook or whatever, we are the product. The product isn't the messaging. The product is the eyeballs, right? The fact that we are there. They take our data and they are selling. And I, I just went to a lecture about more stuff about what's going on with that. And it's crazy, but, but the product is not the message. And so it, it is almost like a town square situation, except multiplied. And so it is privately owned companies, but it is also the main mode of communication. And so we've privatized communication and we haven't updated the laws for externalities. And so, yeah. you know, like, and and, and that, I that could...
0: becomes problematic because if you think about like the the primary source of communication before that, the telephone, like, you know, people would have been up in arms if like you're in the middle of a phone call, and, um, you know, somebody was wiretapping you without a without a warrant, right? And and suddenly goes, oh, sorry, you can't you can't have service through this phone company because you were just using the f word. Or something, you know, on a phone conversation. Yeah, like people would have sued the government for that kind of thing. However, that seems to be happening in mass. Yeah, on the internet because there is no like system of laws to deal with it.
1: Um, And and on the and
0: the beauty of the internet, it's weird because it's. See, I can kind of see the conflict, and I'm sure you're going to agree with me on this. But the beauty, part of the beauty of the internet is the fact that there's no system of laws that are heavily regulating it. So right. it's this weird conundrum because you feel like, to me, I feel like if if they tighten too many laws on the internet, um, then you might end up in a similar situation as you did with phones where it's three companies that exist mm-hmm. that offer pretty mediocre services and then keep getting these billion dollar bills that they easily pay because they're, they, you know, they, have, they can just their, do whatever they their want. Hands, yeah. The the government's got their, their hands deep in their pockets and, and, and you know, they all collaborate to like up the rates and slow down service and kind of like never, and, and it will slow innovation and stuff like that. So it's, it's such a tough one, you know? And, with and,
1: and then if you look at, if you look at the difference between Pinterest and Tumblr, yeah, There, there's an argument against uh, what I've been talking about and, and, and for uh, the private companies kind of doing whatever they want. Tumblr was intended for artists and creators and all this stuff. And I don't know what the percentage is, but it is mostly pornography. Right. And fine. I don't, I don't care. You know, I, I don't, I don't choose to consume that myself, but like it's out there. Um, you know, there are certain places that are trying to claim that it's uh, that it's a public health issue. You know, and there's arguments for that or whatever. But Pinterest, they came out very specifically from the from the inception, said since this is a visually based site with an infinite scroll, it could easily become something different than what we want it to become. And so they curated who was allowed on their platform. Yeah. And then beyond that, heavily monitored, um, you know how, how that was. And Instagram has done a poor job of that, but has tried to do that from the beginning as well. And if but if you look at the difference between Pinterest and and, and Tumblr, they are basically the same, right? It's a big infinite scroll of images, um, yeah. you know. And there's there's some differences, and people will argue with me about that. But the main difference is the main difference is uh, you know one is very open. And has become, has kind of, I, I just feel like if companies don't go out of their way to protect their, to protect their mission statement, um, then they will, uh, they, the laws of entropy, uh, you know, everything breaks down and degrades and rots and crumbles. I mean, everything is going to gonna break down. They're, they're, without a positive push towards good, um, then, then things break down. That's just a natural law of the universe, but the problem becomes, uh, the definition of good because some yeah, people, some people and, are like pornography that's... is fine. It's not that big of a deal as long as nobody gets hurt. And other people are like, no, it's really bad. It's really everybody's whatever. And some people are like, yeah, good means conservative or good means liberal or good means libertarian or good means well, you know anti-whatever
0: the definition of good but like the, like in the case of um like tumblr for instance like what's the definition of pornography so are we going to say all nude images because i've had the alternate experience with friends who are artists who will post like a nude painting right that's like not pornographic at all right it's a study and they've gotten it taken down from facebook which is like you can't show that and it's like but like right what so you can show that in like a church in the 16th century but you can't put it on facebook like that doesn't make any sense yeah and there's and there's and there's a massive difference
1: between erotic and pornographic and nude and naked i mean there's yeah there's a huge scale there and so just because there's there's nudity does not make it obscene
0: Yeah, but But, what's the, like, that's the problem with, the the, the problem, and we've always had this problem as artists, is, like, what's, what's, what's the, what's the line of obscene, you know? And, like, um, as a guy who, like, loves, like, Raw and and Zap and, like, these underground comics that, by by all means, a lot of it was really obscene. Right. Um, But at the same time, I'd hate a world where that didn't have a forum. Um, But at the same time... I don't think R. Crumb was ever saying, like, I should be able to do these really pervy, creepy comics for Marvel, (laughs) you know? Like, I don't think that was ever a claim or even an ambition of that artist. Yeah. So it is weird when you have these platforms that have the reach of, like, a Marvel comics, but they don't have the um, regulation of that. Um, it, It is interesting... I don't know. It's, I don't know where I stand on it. Um. I,
1: I don't either because I would, I would argue that in certain countries, uh, Facebook is the internet. Um,
0: yeah. I,
1: I've, had, I've had colleagues that have traveled to islands and, and, and third world countries and things, and everybody's got a smartphone, and everybody has uh, access to these public internet boxes, which are literally put there by Facebook, um, and funded by facebook and it's a public internet portal and Facebook is the internet you yeah. you go to Facebook for the internet and you communicate with people via facebook there's no browser there's no anything else and so when you have a private company that is controlling a hundred percent flow of information uh to specific countries, what then right that's not that's not even a a national issue that 's an international issue and uh and what if Hypothetically speaking, somebody comes in and figures out a way to game the algorithm and can literally move the populace of the world to vote a specific way because yeah. we have so much information on people now that we can do that. Like it's such a complex issue that I just don't feel like the old laws are applicable anymore. Um, yeah, they're keeping it from they're keeping me from going to prison because I say Trump is bad or Obama is bad or whatever, but it doesn't necessarily protect uh, an angry 17 year old man from uh, being radicalized into a terrorist group or a white supremacy terrorist group or, a, you know, whatever else. I mean, some sort of some sort of violent. Yeah you know, organization that is manipulating, you know, somebody in, in that, in that transition point in their life, like technically those people are, their brains are even fully developed until they're 24. Yeah. And so there should be some kind of protection, but I don't know if that's government. I don't know if it's community. I don't know if it's private people coming yeah, or private and, companies and coming together. And, and Cause shit, I don't,
0: that becomes this, this thing of um, like, okay, so, um, you know, like, like there's a, a good argument to be said that by trying to kind of, um, I would, I would think just with human nature, the way I see it is like, if you take a book like Mein Kampf, which is a terribly written book that was extremely influential by one of the worst human beings on the planet, but it's still in print. And a lot of people think it's important to read, even if you disagree with it, because it gives you a window into how that horror happened. Right. Um, And like the thinking of that. Now, should that book go out of print because some guy reads it and gets inspired by it and then recycles some of the bad ideas within it? Or should that person who's like, like, the, the point being, like, if, if you say, like, you can't read this book, is that going to do a lot of good? Or is that actually going to encourage people to, like, make that book more and more important than it actually is? Right. Whereas, like, if my son ever wanted to read that book, I'd explain the book to him. Yeah. I'd be like, this is the guy who wrote it. These are a million books by better authors who had better ideas. You can, but it's a, but You can, this you is, can read this that, but
1: great. you also need to read Night by Eli Wiseau.
0: Yeah, exactly, right. and 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 so by pairing it and by actually demystifying it and not banning it, I think you actually do more of a service to the cause against it. And um, and I
1: and I would agree with that on Mein Kampf because Mein Kampf is a horribly written book. Here's my here's my concern. There have been studies done that anger is the fastest spreading emotion on social media, and so yeah. Uh, the, the 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 nature of empathy and kindness which I think personally I think those two things are the, the solution to the world's problems right if you can yeah. empathize with another human being then they become human to you they become like you um and you can see the world through their eyes and then that, yeah. that de escalates major issues right but if uh that that is A longer conversation it's very nuanced and it takes a more active participation on both the the giver and the receiver of that information whereas it it
0: creates less of a hit in your head like you you get more chemicals from the hate Um, because
1: because of the biological imperative of rage and anger it usually means you know that there is danger or there is conquest, you know, and, and and those were survival mechanisms back when humanity was not a given, you know. Um, yeah. But now that now that we are in an age where I don't even know how to fight, it's not like required for me to be able to hunt or defend yeah. my home or my village. You know, I don't know how to like move in a phalanx. Formation with my neighbors, like you know, like it's that's not how society is anymore, and yet those biological imperatives still reward aggressive emotion uh, yeah. over empathetic emotion.
0: And, and there's studies on that, that that talk about the addictive qualities of it too. So it's like it's actually an addiction, so it's like it kind of feeds itself. Like, so if you start giving into like rage and anger and hate, it, it actually starts creating like pathways in your mind that are going to make it easier each time you're confronted with something to get angry or respond in that way. So by that nature, it's like, you're right. There's all these, uh, it's like, it's like sending a kid into a candy store with, with like a banana. Yeah. (laughs) Banana is pretty good for them, but what's the likelihood they're going to pick the banana when they're surrounded by all this candy. That's going to give them that sugar rush. and that instant.
1: Here's here's $50 that you can spend on whatever you want, but I want you to remember that bananas are good for you. Go (laughs) into the candy store, and I'll see you in an hour, right? Yeah. And so as an adult with a fully developed brain and decades of experience going down different paths uh, and not having been radicalized in my youth, I can go into a candy store and responsibly... Navigate that situation, right? Yeah. But I, as a six-year-old, I couldn't. As a thirteen-year-old, I couldn't. And so, that's that's my challenge. I don't have an answer. But I'm just I'm just watching this Patreon thing. I'm watching these YouTube things. I'm watching these Facebook things. I'm watching what's happened, frankly, right now in the comic book industry and the movie industry. And it's always these angry small minority of people that are saying some stuff that is absolutely and patently ridiculous and mixing that with uh, with some stuff that makes sense, you know? I mean, we've got people out there that are like, you should tell good stories. And I'm like, yeah, I love good stories. Good idea. And they're like, and black people shouldn't be in them. And I'm like, whoa, hold on, you weirdo. What the crap is wrong with you, right? But because it's got some truth in it, They kind of mix that truth in with these weird, horrible, hateful lies. Yeah. And some people don't have the experience to be able to navigate that situation.
0: So I don't know what you do with that. I think, you know what I think it is? um, This is my own thing, but I think people need to start curating more. Like, as individuals, I think, you know, especially as parents, it's like, you know... um, you gotta know what's on the internet and so like letting your kid just kind of freely surf the internet with a couple parental controls on there is not going to prevent them from coming across some creepy crazy stuff because the internet is a wild west scenario so like you know to me it's actually it's not all that different from like you know the settlers you know like would you let like you know let's say you're you're on the Oregon trail. Are you going to just let your kid wander off into like an area where there's like snakes and all these dangers, or are you going to keep close by with some protection for your kid while you're traveling through a relatively dangerous territory, you know? Yeah. Um, It's, it, you know, I, I think, I think curation is important for, for individuals. Like I think not I, and I don't know how you grow that. I don't know if you. Can I like I like that, how you, you are.
1: I like how in in the same five minutes you've said I would let my son read mine comp, and creation curation is important for parents. I love because it, it's both of us well,
0: <laughs> now. I but but my point <laughs> is like if he's like seventeen or sixteen and he's reading a lot of books and he's curious about history, like I'm not going to prevent him. I'm, right. I I tend to think that um you you give more power to things by mystifying right and i'm not
1: am not i'm not saying that you've said anything wrong i'm just yeah, pointing yeah. that out by way of saying this is an exceptionally complex and nuanced oh, situation that that is very difficult to navigate and is is completely new to the history of the world and the human race like yeah. at no point in time since the dawn of man has there ever been this issue come up? It's really in the last, I'd yeah. say since like 2006.
0: Well, so that's the problem is like we have like almost all information at our, at our fingertips. And within a search, you can access it. And with a really good search, you can probably get whatever it is for free. It's, it's crazy. Um, so I think the dangers with that is like, what what's happening now where people are unable to kind of curate between what's true and what's false um so like you know the idea of being able to even tell what a proper news source is is becoming a a huge problem um that's having some massive ramifications that i think are going to require like a reset of how we're Um, viewing news or like a rebirth of curation in some way where you have like more reliable sources that are trustworthy that prove themselves trustworthy. And in this environment, it's really hard to tell what that source is because, and who that curator would be Um, because you have business,
1: you have another CNN journalist who is making up sources. That was this week. Another yeah. one who's just like, yeah, I know I've won a bunch of journalistic awards and stuff, but I invented most of those sources. They don't exist. And, and and here's and here's the issue with that is it is so difficult to trust the news. And most there was a there was another study done recently. Most people feel like uh, news organizations are massively biased and at the same time feel like extremely biased niche sites that have a very declared message of their bias are yeah. unbiased. And so it's like the the idea of confirmation bias, which I feel this way and anything that agrees with that is unbiased and truthful and straightforward. And it's like, well, no. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. And we have gone way longer May than off. 15 minutes. <laughs> But uh, but I don't know what the point of this is or how it relates to me on the day to day basis. But I do I do I do want to I do want to kind of wrap this up and then I'll, I'll give you the last word with with this. I think it is exceptionally important for especially for artists and by artists I'm being liberal with that term to include anybody that's making things creation creators um, to authentically speak your truth. And I know that sounds really kind of like a, like a, I don't know, really a trite cliche thing to say, but like if you can tap into what makes you an individual and explore that out loud with the intention of connecting to other people through what it is that you're creating, whether that be making them feel horror making them feel funny, making them feel whatever, some sort of human connection. I think that is more important today than anything else because, as, as Josh has said in a past episode, and I've been thinking about this a lot, very few people uh, will come across a fact and have that fact change their life. But most people will go through something and come across a song or a painting or a book or a a political cartoon or something, and it just hits them at just the right moment to where it drastically changes and alters the course, whether they were going to commit suicide and then didn't, or whether they were thinking something horrible. And this has happened to me. I remember thinking horrible things about a certain class of person, um, and then I came across a comic that depicted an idea, and I thought, I've been thinking wrong, right? And it was the art that was able to transform my thinking and help me progress in the way that I was thinking to where yeah. I understood humanity better. Not because somebody spouted facts at me, but because I experienced something on a human level. Somehow that is really important in, in, in all of this.
0: Yeah, and I think um it, it, it's weird because I think, as an artist, I think you wanna be conscious of what you're communicating but i but i think that um watering down what you're communicating if 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 you want to use the f word you should use the f word if you want like if you want nudes in your story you should have nudes in your story if it's essential for the story if it's what you want to communicate i think i think you got to let the filtering happen through other people but i but i do feel like i i feel like we're in this mix of of people who are kind of shock jocks in a weird way like even artists who are being kind of shock jocks just to get more like youtube subscribers or whatever i definitely say that in the comics criticism territory i think there's a lot of people who are just throwing out like things that are intentionally inflammatory just right. to get hits on on their videos and um and and that to me i don't think is is it's not very authentic it's pretty transparent and i and i think it might actually bite those people in in the end because it's a very very short term gain yeah um what, what i'm talking about is, is isn't being unfiltered in that way i mean unfiltered in the way of um being a little fearless and i i think that um we're in a weird area where those like that type of creator is pretty fearless, but it's fearless because they know there's money at the end of the rainbow. There, you know. Um, but I'm talking about more just like fearlessness that I'm not seeing as much on the internet. I do see another side where people are too regulated uh, and too scared to kind of communicate um, art that to them is authentic. And and I, I I just I can't help but think like what the world would look like. If, um, like a a really good example would be like, um, The Hunger Games, which is a book that came out you know quite a few years back, but um, but when that came out, it was really shocking and threw people for a loop. And I guess none of those people had read Lord of the Flies, but (laughs) but but the point being, it was a weird book because it was geared towards you know middle school students, but it dealt with like death and had violence and you know it, it's a heavy pitting
1: pitting children pitting. against each other to the death
0: yeah but at the same time i'd hate to live in a world where that person never writes that book because it's not going to hit the ya market and i the point being like if you kind of create art and fear you don't end up with stuff like that i'm not saying it has to be the hunger games i'm just saying like um i don't want to see a world that ends up uh intentionally just pissing people off and and without thought um putting out stuff that's inflammatory just because it's getting attention Mm -hmm. i don't want to live in that world but i also don't want to live in a world where you know every everything's been put through like the market research and you know approved by all the heads of you know the the you know, the policing system where they're going to kind of make sure everything you say isn't going to offend anyone because that's a world with no sharp edges and um, some of the most fun things in the world have sharp edges, you know. It's, yeah. You know, some of the most pleasant and, and beautiful vistas in the world are, you know, like the Grand Canyon. It, it's, it's not a safe place. <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> but it's I'm, one I'm, of the most beautiful places on Earth. I'm But getting... it's by no means safe. I'm getting um, my daughter... If they bubble wrap it, it's not going to be as pretty. Yeah. You know?
1: I'm getting my nine-year-old daughter a lathe and a rotary Dremel for Christmas. Wow. And I have had a lot of people uh really not happy with me for that. But she likes working in wood. So...
0: No, I'm, I mean, I, <laughs> I think as long as it's supervised and, like, yeah. you, you know, like, you got to kind of... Yeah. I, so, I, my my point is, I, tying in with that, it's like I think we're in a world where it's it's like we're kind of forgetting what human beings are capable of. Um, I think I, I remember I remember this. Uh, there's anyhow. There, there's a lot of great interviews with Sendak where he talks about children, and one of them he was talking about how um, parents who criticize his children's books had had kind of become so. Like lost in like nostalgia that they forget like what little turds kids are, <laughs> and, <laughs> and he was basically saying like he, you know he, he likes writing for kids he, it's just the adults that suck right um because they wanted him to you know like not have like monsters like and and you know if you think of like where the wild things are that's such a great book I I don't see a lot of kids books to that level anymore and I think because of the whole everything getting soft edges. But if you look at that book, I mean, those monsters are literally telling that kid, like not metaphorically, they're going to eat him. Mm -hmm. Like they love him so much. They're going to eat him. Yeah. (laughs) That's what they're telling him. And uh, that's horrifying. (laughs) Right. The whole thing's kind of horrifying, but it's such a great piece of art. And so that's my point is like, when, when you're approaching at trying to tie it into art, I would just say when you're approaching speech in art, don't regulate yourself. Let let people who read it, you know, do the getting offended or whatever from it. But at the same time, don't just be offensive to be offensive. Have an intention, you know. Yeah. Um, and if you're gonna be offensive, like know what you're doing, so that you're coming out there like, you know, um, Iggy Pop, you know, on, on front front and center. You're like, I am being offensive. <laughs> like that's that's the I guess that's what I'm getting at. And I and I
1: would I would semi counter that with um if your message is more important than the offense, I would not necessarily you know, don't don't cut core things, but if there's something that is going to turn somebody off that otherwise would have gotten something significant out of your work and that thing isn't necessary uh you know maybe maybe consider your audience and your message um right. over you know over what it is and i i don't know i mean you know for example like the x men you know were a a significantly influential part of a lot of people's lives and the message was basically like society and the government should not single out classes of people who are different than the majority of the people and regulate and legislate and fear fear monger and you know whatever right and whether that be uh jews or racial minorities or religions or uh sexual preferences or whatever the the, the meaning has kind of changed throughout the years um had they also included shocking gore and nudity and and swearing uh it might not have had the impact that it had, uh, based on the fact that it would turn people off before they got the message. So there's kind of a balance. 100%, yes. There's kind of a balance, and uh, and 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 the nice thing about it is that there is a range and an entire spectrum, and everyone will disagree on where the line is, and that's okay because. What is for someone is not for somebody else and there's no creator out there that is going to create anything that is right for everybody. Um Yeah,
0: and and that's why I think it, it does all tie back to authenticity because there's um uh oh my gosh, there's a joke I heard, it was actually by one of the writers on Game of Thrones where they were calling the exposition in the show as Sex Position because it's just they they just basically throw in a bunch of naked people whenever they have to have an expositional scene and um, so that it'll keep viewers engaged. <laughs> yeah. And um, to me, I actually think that, that, like, I like Game of Thrones a lot, but I think that's actually a negative um, because it, it it's, like, there's some stuff where it's necessary within that series, but there's so many unnecessary moments like that where it's just filling space and just giving eye candy or whatever during an expositional scene just to kind of wax over like a lot of filler they have to have in there and i and i think i think game of thrones
1: is a perfect example of what i was just talking about because i haven't watched it and i uh, for that reason i'm not interested in in that type of material which is fine yeah i'm not making a judgment call on it or whatever but for for me i I don't want to i don't want to expose myself to that and uh and I probably would be a huge fan. I read the first three books and really enjoyed them and yeah. uh, i I'd probably be a big fan of the show, but because I heard you know that it's so overtly gratuitous, I was like ah, i could I could skip it
0: yeah, and uh, like like what i'm what I'm getting at, and like that's their call, but my, my point is like I you know when you're creating something, don't just throw naked people in it because it's going to get you more you know, money or more, you know, because once again, that's inauthentic. If it's absolutely necessary for the story, then yeah, throw it in. But it's like, it, it. I think the intention should be authentic. Like, to me, that's kind of the big difference. Like, between the shock jock or the uh, the Instagram model who's like, oh, look at me, you know, or a person who's, like, sincere. So I, I guess that's, that's kind of my... Um, my take on it but i don't know man. now, now all of work. the
1: instagram models that watch this show are mad at you so i know it's i know good job.
0: Are, um so abe and jeff in the chats uh we're, we're talking merry christmas and i just realized we this is our last episode for christmas so i um i know we're talking like free speech and weird kind of I, I don't <laughs> think either of us really know where we fall on it which is why we're kind of it, it, it's sort of molding all over the place because it, it is, it I is think, a weird topic. I
1: think each of us knows where we fall individually, and each of us has no idea what society, government, and local municipalities and communities should do about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we, so. we've nailed down what I'm going to create and what you're going to create, but that's about yeah. it. <laughs>
0: So, anyhow, yeah. free speech aside and all that, like, I hope you guys all have a Merry Christmas. I yeah. hope you guys have a really good holiday. I hope some of you guys are taking a day off. If you guys are freelance, because I know a lot of our, our community are, like, freelancers, you know, treat yourself to, like, a day off of, you know, the grind and, and enjoy family and stuff. This is going to be a fun break. Um, I will miss you, Corey, because we're probably not going to do this for a bit. Yeah. Um, Maybe I don't know, towards the end of next week or whatever, I'll I'll message you and we'll we'll get back on the roll, but I think we're going to take a tiny break, and that's good, because, like, dude, we're going to open presents and be around family, and, uh, I don't know, to me, like, that kind of stuff is good to get that reinvigoration and stuff, but uh, actually, this is a pretty good topic because it's also a way to get the free speech out of your system before the family gathering, so you don't <laughs> end up... <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so with that said, thanks to everybody who's joined us in the chats. Um, and uh, and uh, yeah, go check out CoreyKerr.com Rewatch re watch that animation, watch the video on it too on animating the explosion because it's amazing. Um, you can check out my stuff at quarterly or go to topis.io and add quarterly stories to your library there i'm like super close to being at the point where i'll make advertising revenue on it so that helps a lot and then uh other than that just um we you know oh if you're listening to this on itunes uh give us a four star uh, review and uh other than that just have a really good christmas and we will see you guys uh, sometime probably late in the next week bye